Okay, so the topic I have tonight is the topic of fixing the world by fixing yourself. I want to start off with a story that I read over Yantiv. I saw a Torah Anytime pamphlet handed out. And one of the stories really hit home what I would like to talk about. And the story is with Mrs. Hani Jervel. A woman called her up and said, in honor of my 60th birthday, I am going to be coming to Muncie and I want to treat myself to two hours with you. So Mrs. Jervel said, okay, great. This woman comes over and she says, how can I help you? She says, I'm turning 60 and my life is an absolute failure. What happened? She says, well, I had three goals in my life and I failed at every single one of them. What were those three goals? I decided when I was young, I wanted to have an amazing, deep, meaningful marriage. I decided when I was young, I wanted to be very successful in my business career. And I decided when I was young that I wanted my children to have deep, meaningful relationships. And what happened? Well, I married a really nice guy, but we never really deeply connected like I wanted to. I, we, I was looking for jobs, and every time I moved, there were very short, very few job opportunities, so I was never really chosen. And while my children are really, really all amazing kids, they never really are connected to each other. And Mrs. Jerovell looks at her and says, wow, sounds so sad. Let me ask you a question. When did you have these thoughts? She thinks, when I left seminary, and I was 18. She says, that's amazing, 42 years, and you still hold on to those things. Wow, that must be very tough. Let me ask you a question. Did you ever have anything that you decided you did not want to be? She says, actually, yeah. What's that? I decided I never wanted to be cheap. I decided that I will never get involved in machlokas. And I, she says, she says, I never wanted to get involved in machlokas. And she decided that I wanted to be a growing person. And how were that? So she says, well, listen, I never had a lot of money, but I was never cheap. I'm still here today coming to see you, which means I'm a growing person. And I'm the only one in my entire family that goes to every simcha because I do not get involved in machlokas. Mrs. Jerovel looks at the 60-year-old woman and says, you're amazing. She goes, what do you mean I'm amazing? I'm an absolute failure. She said, no, you're not. You see, the three things that you were not successful at were dependent on other people. You said that I wanted to do things. You understand who you choose, who you marry is who you choose, but it takes two to tango. And therefore, the fact that you weren't successful in your marriage is not all your fault. You raised your children, but their connection to each other is not dependent on you. And therefore, when you go from one place to the next, who hires you is not necessarily dependent on you. Your failures, you're blaming on other people. That's not your fault. But you not being cheap, you being a growing person, and you not being involved in machlokas are things that you decide to do on. And therefore, when it's up to the things that you decide to do on, you in fact are amazing, you in fact are not a failure. And the topic I want to speak about tonight is the concept of when something's wrong, who are we going to blame, what are we going to work on? So I want to share with you to start off with a Pachad Yitzhak. Pachad Yitzhak in Rosh Hashanah in um, Os Tesvav says the following. He says, MS So one of the most important foundations of a Jew is being MS. Why? He says, well, we say the branch is connected to the tree, it's got to be similar to the tree. We are from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Ki lokim MS. We are from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Hashem is MS. The Gemara says, Chosamo Shal Kaddish Baruch Hu is MS. The signature of God is MS. We are connected to God. We're going back on Rosh Hashanah to creation, to what the moment of conception of the world is. We want the, you know, for those of you who have ever done construction, you know the blueprints. The initial blueprints doesn't always, if rarely or ever, look like the final destination. 
We want to go ahead and look back what it was like originally. We're from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We are connected to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We are MS because we come from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, which is MS. That's what we need to do. We need to go ahead and connect to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So the question is, when something's wrong, who needs to fix it? Uh, a few years ago in uh, Congregation Shari Tfila in Lawrence, there was a Israeli general, I think he was, his name was Geva Rap. And he, I don't know what everything he said. I remember one point that he said. He says, when you point fingers at somebody, while you point one finger at him, you in fact are pointing three at yourself. While we look to put the blame on other people, the first place we really have to start is ourselves. I heard once there was a uh, child. His father came home. He was so excited to play with his father. His father's very busy. He's sitting on his chair, the father... And the father's taking care, he's relaxing for the first time. The kid goes, Dad, Dad, I want you to play with me. He's like, not now, I, I just got home. Dad, Dad, I want you to play with me. And he keeps on nudging his father and nudging. And the father's like, I, I, I can't now. So he says to the kid, listen. He leans over, takes out a newspaper, and on the newspaper is a map of the world. He rips the map into pieces, and he hands it to the five-year-old and says, listen. When you put this map together, I'll stop what I'm doing and spend time with you. Well, a few minutes later, this five-year-old comes to the father and says, look. I got the whole map. And the father's like, wow, I don't get it. You don't take geography. How in the world do you know what the map looks like? How do you know which country, which continent goes where? He says, Dad, I don't know what con- countries and continents mean. He says, then how did you figure out how to put the map together? He said, Dad, it's very simple. Behind the map was a picture of a man. I put the man together, and the rest of the world fell into place. Our actions affect the whole world. Sometimes positive, sometimes negative. Sometimes a lot, and sometimes a little. But at the end of the day, our actions affect the world. You look back to the Mabo, we know that the people were corrupt. The people needed to be destroyed for whatever reason. But the Torah says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroyed the whole world, which included the animals. Why in the world did HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroy the animals? Rashi tells us that the animals would intermate. They would go with the opposite, different types of species. Why? They don't have Bechira. How in the world did that happen? And the answer is, the Gemara says in Masech the Sanhedrin, that when Adam was created, he went from one end of the world to the other end of the world. That's what the Gemara says, Mitchilas Rad Sofo, goes from the beginning to the end. That means, I believe our Putner says, his actions affected the whole world. And you know what happened after he sinned, the Gemara says? He got smaller, which means his actions didn't affect the whole world. Imagine one day, the janitor doesn't show up to, uh, to Google. Okay, Google will still function. But imagine one day, the CEO of Google doesn't show up. His actions are going to have a rip, trip effect, a ripple effect all the way down. It's going to affect every level and stage of Google. The janitor has an effect, but it's not as much. Man's actions have a tremendous effect. And therefore, when man was corrupt, his actions affected the world. It affected the animals so much so that the animals went to the wrong species. So you know what a Kodesh Baruch did? A Kodesh Baruch said... I'm never going to bring the marble again. You know what that means? It sounds great, awesome. Hashem will never bring the marble. He'll never destroy the world. Says Rav you know what that means? That means that a Kodesh Baruch Hu says that our actions will never be so strong that they're going to cause the world to need to be destroyed. You know, it's getting demoted from CEO to janitor. That means if you miss a day, okay, it's not so bad. I always tell Hassanim that you know you have a good marriage if when you don't show up, your wife is just as upset when the housekeeper doesn't show up. Right? If she cheats you in the same status, you know, the housekeeper doesn't make it one day, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And as opposed to, you miss a day. Then you know you're in good terms. But I'm talking about the janitor. The perp, if a janitor doesn't show up, 
It has an effect, but it's not so much. We're getting minimized, our actions. But at the end of the day, they still go ahead and affect the world. But Shem says, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you a sign that I'm never going to destroy the world again. You know what that is? It's a semicircle. You know what? It's a rainbow. A rainbow doesn't touch everything. It's only a semicircle. Our actions are chashiv, but it doesn't affect everything. I saw from Victor Miller recently that he says, somebody went and asked him the following question. To be honest with you, I thought of this question myself. On Rosh Hashanah, if you dive in a place where there's a lot of people, everybody says, and they give you the whole, the whole speech. And they asked Victor Miller, does that mean anything? You know, we know the words of tzaddikim are important, but like, just going through the motions, does it mean anything? Or Victor Miller said the following, this is what I saw written down. He said, no, it means absolutely nothing. Just saying it means nothing. You know what you should do? When that person leaves you, after you said, you should stop and say, Hashem, please give that man to be a Gebenshir. Stop and say it. You work on yourself. You yourself fix the problem. When you yourself fix the problem, you know what's going to happen? Other people are going to be affected as well. Other people's lives are going to be affected when you yourself work on something. I saw a video of Yoel Gold put out recently of a, um, a famous violinist. His name was Shimmy Weitzhandler. He was flown in from Israel to play at a function for a trusty dinner at the Herzog Winery. He flew in just for this event. He flew in, he took his little suitcase, his violin, he put it in the back of his car, he goes to his host's house, he showers, gets back into the car, goes an hour away to the winery, goes to the back of the car, opens up the trunk, and he does not see his violin. He has no idea what happened. He's wondering if it's stolen. Turns out that the person who drove him picked him up from the airport with his wife's car. And when he drove to the winery, he drove with his car. The problem is he's the only one with his wife's keys. And it's an hour drive. If he were to drive him home and come back, he would miss the entire show. Now this guy, Shimmy, felt terrible. He was flown in just for the purpose of, of this uh, event. He felt terrible. What was he going to do? He didn't have his violin. Well. He leaves. A year later, he gets a call from an American number. And he looks at it and says, this number looks familiar. And sure enough, it's the producer of the show, of this dinner. And he picks it up and he's like thinking to himself, he's going to charge me for flying me in. He's not sure what it's about. Picks up the phone and he says, hi, I'm the one who brought you in last year. He's like, I feel so bad. He said, we're doing another show this year and I want you to come. And Jimmy said, I would love to. I felt so bad. I'd love to. I don't care how much you pay me. I'll do it at any price. I want to fix what I did. And he brought him in. And when you fix your problems, the rest of the world gets to enjoy your music. When you say, I'm pointing one finger at you, but it's three at myself, then everybody else gets to go in and benefit because you're going to go ahead and fix the problems, which is really, you worry about yourself and everything else will be okay. A person complained to Rebchaim Kanievsky, he said, my neighbor is constantly, constantly bothering me. What could I do? Rebchaim says to him the following, there's a pasuk in Kohelis, that says, The words that are said to you, don't let it get to your heart. Don't listen to the words of your slave who curses you. So Chaim says, what's the connection between not listening to words and the Evid cursing you? So he says the following, what's the goal of an Evid cursing you? Why is the Evid cursing you? You know who he is? Is it to curse you? If the goal is to curse you, why do you have to hear it? The goal is for the Evid not to curse you. He wants you to let him he wants to let you know his opinion of you. He wants you to know that I don't like you and I want to curse you. So you know what Rechaim says? You know what you should do? Don't listen. Don't listen. Because he's trying to get under your skin. And Rechaim gives him very practical advice. He says, you know what? If you do not listen to him, he's going to stop. He's going to stop. Because his goal is not to curse you. His goal is to get under your skin. 
If you don't listen to him, he's going to stop. I remember a year and a half ago, I teach ninth grade in yeshiva called DRS. And I went up to the assistant principals about March, April time. And I said, you got to get rid of these fidget spinners. They're driving me crazy. They're making me nuts. And he looks at me and says, Rabbi Weberman, don't say a word. They'll be done by September. Okay? He's not a Navi, but he was 100% correct. If we would have made a big deal about it, 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 it's, it would still be going on. I'm glad for the guy who made a lot of money, but at the end of the day, you just ignore it. And when you ignore it, they're trying to get under your skin. You just ignore it, and everything will be fine. There was a man, one time Rabbi Yashif had to go to the hospital on Friday to Adasa and Karim, and he went with his grandchildren, and he went with some community activists in the hospital. It's a sad reality, but uh, I've, I was once with my wife in the hospital, and she had to call Hatzalah from the hospital. It's not the best place to, to have an asthma attack or other things. And uh, just because you think you're in a hospital, a friend of mine who's on Hatzalah told me he's gotten phone calls from Hatzalah uh, um, for people in the hospital, you know. And um, you got to have an activist on your behalf. So Rebbe Yashav goes to the hospital, and he has his grandchildren. He has a Sefer Torah. He's got a minion. And Shabbos morning, they, say, they realize they have nobody to lame. So one of his grandchildren goes walking down the hallways, and he sees a 16-year-old in front of a hospital room and says to him, are you a Balkore? 16-year-old says, no, but I can lane this with Parsha. He says, would you like to lane for Rebel Yashif? He says, definitely. So this boy goes and lanes for Rebel Yashif, and he lanes beautifully. And the father of the boy is there, and Rebel Yashif says to the father, you know, your son lane beautifully. And the father says, you know, there's an interesting story why he was able to lane so nicely. Three years ago, uh, before his bar mitzvah, for those of you who, ever, ever, who laned, know how much work and effort goes into learning a Parsha. And I called up the Gabe and said, listen, my son's Parsha is coming up. I want to make sure he can lane. The Gabe says, no problem. So my son works really hard to learn how to lane. And three weeks, three days, I'm sorry, before the bar mitzvah, the Gabe calls him up and says, I have a big problem. He said, what's that? He said, I made a mistake. I booked two bar mitzvahs. I'm not sure what to do. And his father tells Rabbi Yashiv, after a lot of preparation and a lot of thought, my son decided I'm going to let the other boy lane. And it could be in the schus that he gave up his hard work, that he got to lane for the God of God. Rabbi Yashif smiled. Then Rabbi Yashif turns to the father and says, so what are you doing here? He says, my wife's been in the hospital for six weeks. They have no idea what's wrong with her. The doctors keep on trying and they can't figure out what's wrong with her. Well, one of the activists that were with Rabbi Yashif says, tomorrow we have a special diagnostician coming in to see the Rav. After he looks at the rough charts, he'll look at your wife's charts. He looks at his wife's charts and he finds a rare disease that all the doctors missed. He diagnosed her, gave her some medicine, and a few days later, this woman walked out healthy, smiling, full of gratitude. Why? Because one kid said, you know what? I'm not going to go ahead and throw the blame on other people. I'm going to take responsibility for myself. It got him to lane for the God of Hador, and it got his mother saved. There was once a Rebbe who came to DRS where I'm a Rebbe, Rebbe from Eretz Yisrael. I don't remember the name of the yeshiva. And he said the following, that his yeshiva was having trouble, um, his yeshiva was having trouble with davening. And the kids were having trouble davening. They decided that all the rebbeim were going to have a learning seder an hour before davening. They weren't going to say words to the kids. And all the rebbeim for an hour before davening worked on their tefillah. And he said within a short period of time, the whole yeshiva was davening better. They didn't say a word. They didn't say a word. But you know what? They worked on themselves and everybody else was affected. The Gemara says in Masechtas Brachos that Yochanan Kohen Gadol was a, served as a Kohen Gadol for 80 years 
and then he became a tzaduki. Now, this is really, really difficult to understand. The Gemara says anybody who walked in the Kodesh Kedashim and out of the Kodesh Kedashim, he walked out, he wasn't pulled and dragged out, was a tzaddik through and through. The Gemara says in Masech Yuma that in the first base of Mikdash was 410 years, there were 18 Kohanim Gedolim. But in the second base of Mikdash, which was 420 years, there were more than 300 Kohanim Gedolim. None of them lived out the year. None of them were able to walk in at the Kodesh Kedashim and out of the Kodesh Kedashim or, or, or survive the year. And yet, Yochanan Kohen Gadol lived for 80 years as a Kohen Gadol. And what happened? Meaning he was a tzaddik through and through. And what happened at the end of those 80 years? He turned to Tzaduki. How does that happen? And the answer is the following. You know, there are certain things in society that 15 years ago we were all repulsed by. We were disgusted by. And yet today we barely flinch at. And the reason is because things you hear about affect you. During the times of Yochanan where the Tzadukim were, were at full force, it affected him. And you could have a person who's through and through at Tzadik, but is very much affected by what's going on around him. The Messiah Sushram says that we're not here for this world. We're here for the next world. The only reason why we're here is to get to the next world. This world is like a, is like a prosdor. It's, it's a hallway just to get to the next world. That's why we're here. We're here to accrue credits to get to Olam Haba. But if that's true, we have a problem. You know the first man ever created Adam Rishon was created without the concept of death in the world. And yet, when Adam Rishon messed up, for some reason, the rest of the world, for all of eternity, has to suffer where we are subject to the concept called death. And the question is why? Why is it that what other Marishon did, what does that got to do with us? Now, thousands of years later, we're suffering as well. And the answer is the following, is that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Adam, it was Yitzir Kapa, it was literally the palm of his hand. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created something very special in Adam. But when Adam sinned, Tuma penetrated him, and for all future generations, everybody's affected. We say, Ki offer ato, vel offer ato, tashuv. You come from dust, you're going back to dust. Which means, in order to go ahead and actually connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to enjoy Hashem, like the Messiah Zisharm says, which is supposed to be the purpose of this world, is to connect and enjoy Hashem, you're from dust, but that dust has got to be separate from the Tuma. But once the Tuma gets incorporated, in order to fully grasp and enjoy Hashem, you have to be completely separate. And therefore, for all future generations, man is subject to the concept of death. I saw a beautiful shot from the Sfas He says, before Shmon Esrei and Mincha, Musaf, and the Elah, we say, which is a Pasuk in Parsha Sazinu. When you call Hashem's name out, other people will praise God. So the point of calling out is to get other people to praise God. So he asked a very simple question. Why are you whispering it? We say, The goal of the whole point of it is to affect other people to get them to praise God. So then why are we whispering it? Says the Svasemis, you know why? Because the Jews call is so strong. That when you say something, it has an effect on another person. You don't have to scream. You don't have to scream. Because just saying it is enough to have an effect on another person. In Parsha Shlach, Bishach, I'm sorry, it says, but after the women left uh, the Yamsuf, so it says, but Vatan Lahem Miriam, and Miriam answered them, Shiru Hashem, a song to Hashem, The horses as well that were riding into the Nile. And the question is the following. You know, Lahavdil a whole bunch of times, but back in my day there was a basketball player by the name of Alan Iverson. 
His nickname was The Answer. And I'm not joking, it always bothered me, what was the question? I'm not really sure. That was his nickname, he was The Answer. I have no idea what the question was. But that was his nickname. Miriam is answering the women. You look through the words of the Torah, you're not gonna find the question. Why does it mean she answered them? What was the question? Second of all, it says Vatan Lahem. If she's speaking to the women, it should have said Vatan Lahem. And third of all, when Miriam and the women left, they grabbed instruments and they started singing and dancing. And the women are saying, like, like why are we running out? What are you so excited about? I missed it. The answer is that in reality, there was a very large question on the women's mind. And that is, the women were enslaved in Mitzrayim, just like the men were. The women were freed in Mitzrayim, just like the men were. But there's one big difference. The men were leaving Mitzrayim for one goal and purpose. And that was to get to Harsinai, to be Meqabal the Torah, to accept the mitzvot. That makes sense why they're running. They're going to get the sweetest, most enjoyable thing in the entire world. Why were the women running? Why were the women running? That wasn't their goal. They're putter from Talmud Torah. Why were the women running? That's the question that bothered women. And that's what Miriam answered. She's explaining to them, why are you running? You know why? Because even though you're putter from Talmud Torah, but you're going to be around the husband who's Osik the Torah. You're going to be around the husband who's going to be learning and davening, giving tzedakah, doing business honestly, and you're going to be affected by it. That's why you're running and that's why you're excited. If you've ever been around good people, whatever they are, they have an effect in you. Enjoy being around them. Your actions affect every single person. And therefore, Miriam took instruments. She sang and she danced. You know why? Because we're going to be around good people. We're going to be affected by them. And that's what she was answering the women. That's why you should be running out. And what's her proof? The Pusik she picked. Why is Hashem killing the horses? Why? What did the horses do wrong? The Mitzrayim are the ones who should be killed. Why is Hashem killing the horses? The answer is, when you're around somebody bad, it affects you as well. Hashem says, you know what? I have to go ahead and get rid of you as well, just like we have by the Mabal. That the animals went ahead and were affected by humans' actions. Well, guess what? The horses in Mitzrayim were also affected by man's actions. So much so, Hashem says, I'm going to kill the horses as well. And that's the song that Miriam chose. You're running out. You're not going to be Makabal the Torah the way men are. But guess what? You're going to be married to them. You're going to be around people who are Osik the Torah, and their actions are going to go ahead and affect you. Certain different Torah, you remember exactly where you were when you heard them. This one to me is clear as yesterday. 23 years ago, I'm online in OJ, waiting to get lunch. Maybe it was breakfast, but I was definitely online to get food. And the guy behind me says to me, his name is Yaakov Slatis. He says, Chil, do you want to hear Dvar Torah while we're waiting? I said, sure. He says, he's talking to me from his Rav from West Hempstead, Rabbi Kalamur. Parshish Vayetze, it says that Vayetze Yaakov mi Sheva. Rashi says, what do you mean Vayetze Yaakov? We know where you're coming from. So Rashi says the following, when it's Sadiq's in a place, there's um, Hadar, Ziva, um, that there, there's a tremendous amount of glory there. And when he leaves, the glory leaves with him. So the famous question is, is Yaakov not the first to leave Eretz Yisrael? Avram did. Why doesn't the Torah tell us when Avraham left that uh, the, the Hadar and Ziva left with him? That was the question of the Kliyakar, Rabbi Kalmar's coming to answer. So I'm just going to introduce his answer with a story that I remember very clearly at the Kosal one Friday night. I used to dive at the Kosal very often. There's a tzaddik there, his name is Jeff Seidel. And Jeff Seidel sets up people for meals. He sets up, anybody who needs a meal, he sets up hundreds of people. And one week I see Jeff Seidel struggling, like nervous, pacing back and forth. He said, Jeff, what happened? He looks at me and he goes, Machlis is not here for Shabbos. Machlis is the famous family that would host 80 to 100 people for a Shabbos Suda. 
And when Machlis is not there, he's short 80 to 100 meals. He was, he was he literally pacing back and forth. When Machlis is there, okay, I'm short 40, I'll send 40 people to Machlis. Avram Avinu's mead was a mead of chesed. He did achnasas orchim, he was the epitome of chesed. When he left, do we need to be told that he left an effect in the community? The answer is no. Look at Jeff Seidel. Machlis is not here for Shabbos. When a person's involved in chesed and they leave, everybody knows the Torah doesn't need to tell us by Avram. Listen to this word from Rabbi Kelmer. What was Yaakov's midah? He was an Ishtam Yoshev Olam. You know what he did all day? He sat and learned Torah. You know what that tells us? He's sitting in a base medrash somewhere, learning Torah. That has an effect on the community as well. And they say, what do you mean? He's not involved like Avram was? That's okay. You sit and learn Torah, your actions are going to affect the world. The Torah says, Vayetze Yaakov. He left, he left an imprint, he left an impression on the community. Because your actions are going to go ahead and affect the whole world. So I want to conclude with a story that was uh, floating around the internet. Um, as a Rebbe, I received it. Every Mechanach must see it. It's not a Jewish video. It's a man by the name of Clinton. Clinton says the following. He says that when he was younger, he struggled a lot. He didn't struggle in math and science, but he struggled in sitting still. He just couldn't sit still. He was 10 years old, and he just couldn't sit still. And suddenly he decides that instead of sitting still, he's just going to start tapping. And all of his friends got really annoyed. And one day he gets sent to the principal's office. The principal says to him, I understand you're having a hard time. Why don't you just try sitting on your hands? And he tries that, and it lasts for a few minutes. He's tapping and tapping and tapping. And one day, his teacher, Mr. Jensen, said, Clinton, I want to see you after school, after class. And he's thinking to himself, that's it, my life is over. After class, it's just the two of them, Clinton and Mr. Jensen. He looks, pulls him up and says, Clinton, I got to ask you a question. Did you ever think about becoming a drummer? He looked at him in the face and says, you're not a problem, you're a drummer. And Clinton said, I took those drums. He gave him drumsticks. Clinton said, I took those drumsticks. It got me through elementary school, through high school. It paid for my college tuition. And I toured the world with it. And he said something so important. He said, I realized that there's a difference between the best, being the best in the world and being the best for the world. Our job is not to go ahead and fix the world. Our job is to fix ourselves because when we do, we will go ahead and put the world together. The proper way to fix the world is not to try to ask to fix the world, because that's not even proper for us. That's not even realistic. What we have to go ahead and do is fix ourselves. When we fix ourselves, the world is going to be a better place. And when you do that, the world will come together. We fix our problems, the rest of the world will fall into place. And now when Clinton plays those drums, the rest of the world gets to enjoy that music. Have an amazing Shabbos and an awesome good adventure.